0: Thanks for tuning in to the Sandals Church podcast. Our vision as a church is to be real with ourselves, God, and others. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy this message. Hi guys, welcome to Sandals Church and welcome to this series called Old Rules for New Life. Today, we're gonna talk about an old rule that most of us as Christians are like, yeah, I got that. But so many of us, because we we don't really look into it and we don't dig deep into it, often many of us break this commandment every single day. And I wanna challenge you, not just to judge the world about this issue, but to judge yourself and say, okay, God, where have I stolen? So this is another incredibly short command and it's literally just a couple of words, Exodus 20, 15, and it says, you, that's you, pray about if that's you, shall not steal. And here's one of the interesting things. This command is repeated three times in the Torah, three times in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, three times it's spoken. Why would God say something three times? Because many of us, we don't want to be stolen from, but we will steal from others, And so here's the rule. Each and every week, I'm trying to give you a rule, old rules for new life. So here's the rule. Here's what I want you to pray about. Here's what I want you to think about. Rule number seven, enjoy what you can earn. Don't steal what you can't. Some of you are so miserable because you're focused on what somebody else can earn. You wanna be miserable today? Go down to Newport Beach, rent a boat, look at all the houses, amen? I mean, it will make you miserable because you can't earn enough to buy that. And so what happens is you get bitter, you get angry, you compromise morally, and then you start doing immoral things to make money so that you can have that. And we need to teach our kids this. Money is not the goal, integrity is. Integrity makes you rich. So earn what you can, whatever you can, and don't steal what you can't. And that's the problem with social media today. When I grew up, I didn't know how poor I was because I couldn't see how rich other people were. You know, we had railroad tracks. We didn't have Instagram that could see on the other side of the railroad tracks. Everybody was poor where I grew up. Nobody had stuff. But all of a sudden, in our world today, even the poorest kids can see what they don't have and it makes them miserable. And so here's the thing. Don't look at what others have. Look at the integrity that you have. That's what makes you rich according to God. So we live in the state of California. Okay, I know some of us watch online and you are blessed to not live in communist California, but we live in a state that has minimized this sin. Number one, don't minimize the sin of theft. It is a sin. It is, and that's hard for some of us as Christians. We're like, well, you know, okay, look, there's ministry and generosity, and then there's the, the sin of theft. Those are different things. I'm not saying we shouldn't help people. I'm not saying we shouldn't care for people. But look, our state is in real trouble. My wife asked me to go to Rite A to develop film. I'm like, who develops film? <laughs> My wife is like, we do. <laughs> and what she meant is you do, that's what she meant. And so I went to Rite Aid to develop film and I saw something amazing. I saw a woman come into the store with no pants or underwear. That's amazing. But if you live in California, that's a Tuesday, amen, right? That's a Tuesday. Tuesday is no pants, no underwear day. And so she walked into Rite Aid with no clothes on. I mean, she had, she had a shirt kind of on the top and she went straight down the alcohol aisle, grabbed two 12 packs of beer and walked out. A couple things happened there. Number one, she stole. Number two, that's a controlled substance in our government. We have a specific law enforcement agency that deals with firearms, tobacco, and alcohol. You see, when I was a kid, that was a major theft and a major problem, and she walked right out. No pants, but she had some booze, okay? She was gonna have a good day. And I told the manager, I said, didn't you see that? And here's what she said. She comes in every day and does that. You see, listen to me, we're not gonna have stores in California. They're gonna pull out, they're gonna go somewhere else because you are able to steal whatever you want. And let me say, if you're a young person, the only person you're stealing from when you steal is yourself. You are robbing yourself of the joy of earning something. I want you to listen to Jesus. Jesus says this, he contrasts stealing with what he came to do. John ten ten. Jesus said the thieves." these are one of the adjectives that God uses to describe the devil, the thief. His purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. You see what's happening in the state of California because we are allowing stealing, we are killing this great state and we are destroying the lives of young people because we are robbing them of the privilege of buying what they can earn. There's beauty in that. Jesus says, my purpose is not to steal. My purpose is not to destroy, my purpose is not to kill. He says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And what is that? It's not just salvation, it's integrity. It's integrity. Listen to me if you're young, stealing is the devil's work. That's the devil's work and that's hard for us because we've so minimized this in our culture. It doesn't just affect the person who's robbed, it affects the person who steals. This is a huge problem at all of our campuses. At the end of service today, I'm gonna ask some of you guys to volunteer to work in the parking lots. And here's why. Many of our people, when they park in the parking lots, they are robbed while they're in church because someone's taken their catalytic converter. It's happened. And as a pastor, I feel so bad when a guest comes to our church and they can't even drive home because somebody robbed them while they were in the house of God. And so we have to be aware of this and say, okay, part of the way we change our culture is not just incarcerating people, but it's changing our hearts and saying, okay, I'm going to be a different person. And let me just say this. I want you to imagine for a second, for those of you who aren't on board with this and you're making all kinds of excuses for the theft we have, I want you to imagine if we could just magically wipe away all of the theft, how much more money we would have for kids in school, how much more money we would have for health care. How much more money we would have for the environment? How much less things would cost? Because every time you do buy something, in there is the cost of theft. They put that in the cost of doing business. Things would be cheaper and there would be more money to help people who truly need it. Stealing helps no one. It actually wrecks our society. So teach your kids not to steal. Don't do it. Number two, listen to me, especially if you're a parent and if you are, don't have kids, listen to me, maybe your parents didn't teach you, so I want you to pay attention. Number two, don't steal a work ethic from the next generation. Some of us are robbing the next generation of the joy of work. Proverbs 21, 25, this is a proverb. This is from a, from a dad in Proverbs chapter uh, one and from a mom in Proverbs 31 trying to raise their son. Anybody raising a boy? Hang on. Hang on, okay? And you're like, well, we have daughters. Okay, they're easier in some ways. I know you don't think so, but man, I know. They're both crazy. Hang in there. Despite their desires, listen to me, the lazy will come to ruin. Listen to me if you're young. Vision is not enough. I'm gonna be an influencer. Even influencers have to work. Okay, you gotta post, oh, my fingers hurt. Get over it. Get over it. Everybody that's successful works. And you're like, well, some people inherit their wealth. Was that you? Nope, then go to work. Go to work. That's the reality. And one of the things is we despise people who work and are successful. I'm amazed when I look at Elon Musk, what he did to be where he is today. Listen to me if you're young. He worked 100 hours a week. Some of you are like, I didn't know there were that many hours in the week. 100 hours a week, rented an apartment where he slept, and he and his brother shared one computer where they coded together. And he's an immigrant from Africa, crazy. But he worked and now he's one of the richest people on earth. Desire, vision, dreams, not enough. It's not enough. What happens? They. they they will fail because they refuse to work. It's not enough to have a vision for your life. You have to step into hard work. And we've told our kids, follow your hearts. Well, at some point, your hands and feet have to follow your heart, amen? (laughs) And let me show you how to do this. We shovel, look at this, we shovel. (laughs) Let me say this. If you're a parent today, I love you. But making everything easy for your children when they are young will make life impossible for them when they are older. Here's one of the things that I I never thought about as I parented. I always focused on, I wanna give my kids what I didn't have. I never thought about what are the things that my parents gave me that I need to repeat. You see, saying no was easy for my parents because they didn't have any money. You want that? No, no, no. Listen to me, when you can afford it, it makes it harder to say no. But let me say say this as a parent. You can say no to your kids, even though you love them. God loves you and he says no to you every day. He just said it right now, no, okay? So making their life easy is not helping them. Now some of you are like, yeah, okay, today's drill sergeant, dad. No, 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 no. You don't have to make their life hard because it's already hard, it's already hard. I remember saying this to my oldest daughter. She was on the mountain bike team. She picked the worst sport in high school because it's really hard. And right before every race, she'd be all teary eyed and not wanna go. And she would say, this is so hard. And here's what I would tell my daughter. I said, honey, life is hard and this is gonna prepare you to do things you don't want to do. So stop crying and go, right? Listen to me, life is hard. Help your kids find a hard sport. Help them wrestle through a hard subject. It's okay to face difficulty. Next, teach them that work is better than wealth or fame or leisure. I don't know why we've made an idol of doing nothing. I love my wife. I love going on vacation. I can sit on the beach for about an hour. Then we're getting divorced, amen? We gotta do something. We gotta do something. We gotta do something productive with our day. And the most miserable people are the people that do nothing. And one of the reasons so many of our seniors are checking out right after they retire is because they believe they can just sit on a couch and eat and live a productive life. It messes with their brain, it messes with their heart, it messes with their body. I was walking through Sandals this week and and there's a woman in our church named Anna. And I said, do you work for me? You know, and I didn't wanna say anything because you can't ask how old people are. You can't do that. It's illegal. I said, Anna, do you work for me? Cause you know, she looked like maybe she's retired. I'm not saying that, but that was just my my hunch. And here's what she said, oh no, no pastor. She said, I work for you for free. She said, I'm retired. She said, but I gotta do something to keep my brain sharp. And you know what she does? She works in her accounting office. Yeah, she she does that for free. That's my favorite employee. (laughs) I'm gonna give Anna a raise. I'm gonna triple, I'm gonna triple her free salary. But isn't that interesting? God did not make you to sit on a couch and watch Fox News or MSNBC or whatever it is that makes you wanna jump off a cliff. God made you with a purpose. And some of you, as you become seniors, you finally have the time to do some real work. Let me tell you something, if, if you're older, you're in your fourth quarter, okay? I, I only watch NBA games in the fourth quarter. Do you know why? Because that's what matters. That's what matters. You're in your fourth quarter. You're not done. The game's not over. You know how the time you have the resources and you got the smarts. Those of us who are younger, we're still trying to find our brains. Amen. You have an opportunity to make a real difference. Proverbs 12, 24, listen, work hard and become a leader. Why should you teach your children? If you're a young person, why should you work hard? Because it changes you on the inside. It's not about wealth. It's not about influence. It's not about fame. It's about changing who you are. Listen, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. That's what scares me to death about our younger generation. You think government should do everything. What do you think you're going to become? When government becomes mom and dad, you you become a kid forever and you're a slave. America has a lot of brokenness, a lot of sin. One of the things we got right was hard work and we're forgetting that. Everything free comes with a cost. It comes with a cost and don't believe it that it's truly free, okay? Next, if you're a parent, teach them to work through problems. Any married people in here have a problem ever? (laughs) My wife and I, we worked through a discussion this week. We don't have fights because we're believers. We had a discussion. I was so exhausted. I was so exhausted, man. It's hard to work through problems. It's why so many people can't stay married because they don't know how to work through problems. One of the things, if you got multiple kids, and by the way, if you just got one kid, that's cheating because you always know, you always know who did it. When you got multiple kids, man, they're all lying. Who did it? They're like, we don't know. It was aliens. You Aren't you? I said, in the news? But, you know, when your kids fight, you know what they're learning to do? Work it out. Here's one of the reasons I think kids are stressed out. And this is my own theory and my own philosophy. When I was a kid, we came home from school. My mom said, go outside and don't come back in until it's dark. You know, I, I, I could have said, mom, I'm going to go out and play with hyperdermic needles. She's like, okay, have fun. But listen to me, you know what happens when your kid's in their room with video games and everything is done for them? They don't have to make it work because other kids are hard. Other kids are difficult. Other kids are mean. Some are cruel. But guess what you're learning? You're learning how to negotiate. One of the things I think needs to happen if you're an educator, I think we need to extend the school day and extend playground and just literally have a half an hour where you're like, just go out there. Just as a principal, just watch them. You know, you don't want a kid to get killed, but you know, just watch, let it get close. And then you intervene. (laughs) Because our kids, our kids need to learn what game are we going to play? Whose team are you on? What are the rules? But we do all of that for them and then they become adults and they don't know how to do anything. I even think bullies have a role, amen? It's part of the reason I have any self-control at all. Do you know where this mouth would have gone as an adult without a bully? (laughs) I'd be in real trouble. You'd be watching live from prison. Because what bullies taught me is there's limits to what I can say. There's only so much a bully can take from somebody who's, you know, two feet three. Okay, next, teach them to work for the family. You wanna know why we have such a hard time getting people to volunteer at church? Because parents didn't teach children to volunteer at home. That's why. Your kids, our church members think everything should be done. Well, I just show up and it happens. We have no idea how to make something work. 100 years ago, your kids were up at 4 a.m. That's why they had 12. Not because they loved them, because they needed them. You don't have to pay your children, <laughs> amen? Get up, milk the cow. You want eggs? Go get them. Right now, now kids are like, Dad, the cereal's empty. hundred years ago, that'd have been a you problem. Go out in the field, get some grain, and then make your cereal. Here's the thing is, you are doing a disservice. And here's a kid's superpower. Here's what kids know. They know if they absolutely suck at what you ask them to do, you won't ask them again. That's their superpower. (laughs) I don't know, you're you're a kid, like straight A student and they just turn into a total moron. They're like, I can't do the dishes. They can, they can. Now, listen to me, It it might not be as good as what you would do, but that's okay. They need to learn to be a part of a family and here's why. What happens when they become moms and they become dads? You're going to need to prepare them for how a family works. You're not just raising your son or your daughter, you're raising a future mom. You're raising a future father. When I challenge my son, when I challenge my daughters, now my girls are married, my son's still at home. When I challenge him, I say, listen to me, one day you're going to be a dad. And your kid might be lippy, right? You might be raising a Matt Brown. (laughs) I'm never having kids, I'm never getting married. Okay, well, here's what it means to be an adult. Adults do what they have to do over what they want to do. That's adulting. Okay, adulting is not challenging your parents to help your vacation continue. That's not adulting. Adults choose to do what they want to do over, excuse me, what they need to do over what they want to do. So if you're raising girls, anybody remember Cindy Lauper? Girls just what? Want to have fun. Well, you know what moms want? A nap, that's what moms want. So listen to me, here's the thing. And I see, I've seen this as your pastor for 25 years. I have seen young girls turn into women who become moms and they're an absolute shock because life goes from all about them to never about them. I mean, your body becomes a food dispensary, right? And it's not like the puppy that you can just put in the cage for a couple hours and go out. It goes everywhere with you. And I watch young women in shock because nobody's ever told them, hey, when you have a kid, that thing goes with you everywhere, everywhere. And it eats and it poops and and, right. And you know, and it's, it's tough. And we need to tra- train girls and raise girls and say, look, man, you know, if you ever want to be a mom, this is what that looks like. And so you need to learn to help out. You need to learn to be a part. You need to learn that it's not all about you. And some of us as moms and dads, we've turned our little girls into princesses and that's not really helpful as a mom because <laughs> princesses need people <laughs> to do things. And I love your little girl. She's not a princess and you're not a king. Wife's not a queen. And I know because I see you're giving, amen? Yeah. So, all right, boys, what do boys wanna do? They just wanna play. You know what dads need to know how? How to serve. Most of the marriage counseling we do at Sandals Church is because a woman has married a boy who wants to have sex, but he doesn't know how to serve. That's the problem. Teach your young men how to serve. Now, this is a thing. They're not gonna wanna get up. They're not gonna wanna get out. You know, I was in the military, my drill sergeant didn't really, he didn't really care that 345 wasn't an appropriate time in the morning to get up. You know what our drill sergeants used to do? Now I know it's the new military and they're doing yoga and stuff. But when I was in it, when I was in the military, our drill sergeant came through with trash cans. That's how we woke up. And he, he was never in band. He couldn't do it to rhythm. And you know what happened? I changed. By the end of my boot camp training, I could wake up to the sound of the hum of the lights as they came on. And I told my dad when I went in the military, I'm gonna go out and find men that respect me. I called my dad and just apologized. <laughs> was like, like my dad yelled at me, but I would never see his tonsil, you know, as he was yelling. And we just watched the drill sergeant's tonsil. I'm like, oh my gosh. Do you know how close you have to be somebody to see that? Next, this is huge. Teach your kids to organize their life. You know why your kids can't clean their rooms? They got too much stuff. I can come over today. We can fix that problem. We can donate some toys, amen, to some poor kids. That's all you do. You tell tell your kids. Here's the truth. My wife can organize much more things. If there could be someone right now in my wife's closet hiding, and we would never know. her shirts when she pulls them out is like, I mean, I I just can't even, I can't even imagine people come and see my closet and literally about 10 people have said this. Is this all you got? You know why? That's all I can organize. Half the pastors at Sandals church, if they're medium to small in size, they're wearing my old clothes. You know why? I can't, I cannot organize. I have a choice. I can fold them or donate them. Amen. I donate. I'm like Jesus. I give it away. Here's the thing is you're giving your kid too much to manage. Some can manage more than others. That's just the way that it is. I don't have my wife's organizational skills, so I just have less clothes, it's fine. And I get in less trouble, amen? Guys, less underwear, less underwear to be on the floor. That's all I'm saying. Okay, teach them to make the world better. Can we just stop telling kids to follow their hearts? do you guys know that we don't have enough airline pilots? Like nobody wants to fly planes and you make a lot of money. Anybody want good airline pilots? Anybody? <laughs> I prefer excellence. You know, do you want that kid? That's like, yeah, I feel like we're going to make it. No way, man. I want somebody that, 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 that is going to get my family safe to wherever we're going. Not everybody gets to live in Hawaii. We got to get there somehow. And nobody takes boats anymore. Somebody's got to fly. Somebody's got to be a cop. Somebody's got to be a fireman, a teacher. Somebody actually has to make the world a better place. We can't all be influencers. (laughs) You know, we can't all be famous. Somebody actually has to do something. Let's do something. Do you know that they're asking doctors? Some of your doctors, have you noticed they're getting older? It's because they don't have enough young ones coming up. Pretty soon, you're gonna help your doctor when they come in. Okay, what's going on? You're like, doc, I think you need some Advil. <laughs> Last point, teach them to work for God. Can you just imagine if we all just every day realized that when we went to work, we were working for the Lord? Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, whatever you do, Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Work for God, whatever you're doing. All right, number three, don't steal from others. I wish, I wish that we just didn't even have to cover that. But it's a problem. And I want you to know, it's not just a problem today in the church. It was a problem in Ephesians 2,000 years ago. It was such a problem that the apostle Paul, when he wrote a letter to the Ephesians, he had to address it. Ephesians 4.28, listen to this, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. You see, some of you don't realize the reason we work. Here's why so many young people are not motivated to work because the old capitalist motivation was work so that you can have a bunch of stuff that they realize they don't need. The Christian motivation for work is work so that you have something to give. For 20 years, Tammy and I have said, Lord, increase our giving. Increase my capacity to give. Now, what has to happen for me to have more to give? I have to make more money. You see, without margin, there is no ministry. Now, our country doesn't understand that. Our world doesn't understand that. Everybody is spending more than they make. And it's why people feel like they have nothing to share. And it's not that you don't have anything to share. It's that you haven't yet prioritized your money that you make to express the generosity of God. That's why. You see, the way out of stealing is learning to give. That's the way out. Stealing is all about you. It's all about me. And some of you today, you need to repent and you need to say, Lord, I've stolen. You see, here's one of the problems. This is why so many of our neighbors don't wanna come to church because they hear us say one thing and then they watch us live. Romans 2.21 says, well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? Listen to this. You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? That's in Romans. And many of us, we have, and we make excuses for it. Right? How old's your kid? 14. How old is he when he goes to Disneyland? 12. How old's your son? Four. How old is he when he goes to Disneyland? Oh, he's two. (laughs) You see, what are you teaching your kids? You're teaching your kids that it's all right to steal when it benefits you. You go to an you know, all-you-can-eat buffet, 12 and under eat for free, and you're 22-year-old, you're like, you're 12, you're 12, you're <laughs> 12. What, what are you doing? You're stealing. You see, the problem is what you've taught your kids is it's wrong for someone to steal from you, but it's okay for you to steal from someone else. And here's the problem. You have all kinds of reasons why what you do is okay. But you know what? So does the thief who's under your car taking his your catalytic, catalytic converter. He has a reason. You don't think he has bills? You don't think she has bills? You don't think they have problems? You see, what it's, it's this whole cycle. Years ago, I I preached on stealing and we covered the story of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus says, whatever I have stolen, I will pay back four times. And I only remember stealing two things as a kid. One was a spider from a store and my mother made me go back and apologize. And the other thing was I stole a Star Wars action figure from my cousin. My cousin's not a Christian. He doesn't go to church. So I calculated the value of that action figure times interest for 25 years and multiplied it by four like Nicodemus was and sent him a check. He said, you don't have to do that, cuz. I said, I actually do. He said, well, I didn't even know you stole it. I said, but I did. Now, my cousin and I, we don't agree on a lot of things. But I think he agrees that his cousin who is a pastor has integrity. And so you might say, well, that was ridiculous, but what is my cousin's soul worth? It's worth more than that action figure ever was. And so some of you need to say, how have I stolen? Whom have I stolen from and how do I make this right? And if you're a thief, man, come to the church, come forward for prayer and let's talk about how we can help you figure out your spending, come up with a budget and maybe work some extra hours or an extra job until you can get your finances right-sized. Listen to me, as a Christian, need doesn't give you permission to steal. Let me say it again, need does not give you permission to steal. If you find yourself with a need, and you're tempted to steal, come to the church. Let us help you. Because it's not stealing when we give it to you. That's a gift. That's benevolence. And this is a generous church. This is a generous church. We just sent a couple hundred thousand dollars to Turkey. Couple hundred thousand. What are we doing this week? We're sending even more money up to Lake Arrowhead and the surrounding communities. Why? Because as the Lord has given to us, we give to others. That's what we do. And we're not just helping sandals people up the mountain. We're helping anyone. Anyone who will say they have, they have a need. And we're doing that because that's what God does. Think about this. The most famous verse in all of scripture, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave, he gave. He didn't steal, he gave. He gave. So how do we steal from God? Number four, don't steal from God. How do we, how do, we do this? It, it's worth our time. Let, let me just prove to you how big of a sinner you are. You ready? I preach on the Sabbath, which is God is like, take a day off. <laughs> and you're like, I'll pray about it. That's how big of a sinner you are. You can't even chill in the name of God. We rob God of the Sabbath and we rob God of the time that we should devote to him to serve on the Sabbath. Man, look, we got tons of people coming back to church and we need more help. That's just the bottom line. It's great It's great that people are coming back to church. Man, it's great. It is so fun to preach to a full house at Hunter Park and at your campus. I mean, so many of your campuses are hitting numbers that you haven't seen in three years. Praise God for that. But you know what that means? Those people need to be served when they come here. So I want you to do me a favor. I want to celebrate a good friend of mine, Scarlett. Come on up here. Uh, let's give her a hand. So, Scarlett, wait for this. Has served in kids ministry, the blue shirts, for twenty years. Let's give her a hand. Love you. Love you. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. She was, she was nervous. I was going to make her do a cartwheel or something. So. Uh, but, but I want you to know this and, and listen to me. And I, and I shared this with Scarlett before the recording, you know, it's so hard for me to get you guys to serve. And I don't want to make you feel guilty. I just, oh, I guess I do. Um, <laughs> the book of Ephesians says that one of my jobs is to equip you for the work of the ministry. And, and Scarlett has done the work of the ministry. And this is why what Scarlett does is so important to me. Uh, kids ministry is the hardest area for us to get volunteers. And here's why that breaks my heart. Because in kids ministry and youth ministry, we have the biggest impact. The biggest impact. You want to change the world? Start today by investing in a kid at Sandals Church. Because what they can't hear at their local public school, what they can't hear anymore on a sports team, they do hear here. And we don't apologize for it. You are loved by God and you were made in his image and you have a purpose and God has a plan for your life. And we don't apologize for that. And let me just share with you, my wife and I are in counseling. And one of the things that we're studying is what does it look like to be a secure person in the way that we love? And so I have an unsecure attachment. It's called dismissive avoidant. And then there's the secure attachment. And so it says, here's what's broken. And here's the goal. And here's the amazing thing. When I look at the secure attachment, not at my brokenness, but when I look at my beauty, many of the things that I do right are because of the experiences I had in church as a young man. Listen to me, parents. Every single one of you is not going to be be able to raise a complete child by yourself. You're a sinner and you're going to have blind spots and you have your own brokenness. Here's the beauty of the local church. Other adults don't have your same brokenness and they have beauty where you lack it and they can invest in your child. And so as a young man who struggled with insecurity, I was always the smallest kid. I felt unseen and oftentimes I felt unloved, not because of what my parents did, just because that's what it means to be a kid. I had church members that said, I see you. I love you. I care for you. You're gonna make it one day. I can't wait to see what you do. I didn't get that in school. I didn't get that in sports. I got it in the local church. And when we serve kids, we're telling them you matter. We see you and we love you. Here's what Paul says in Romans, never be lazy. You can Sabbath, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord, what? Enthusiastically. I want you to pray about how you can serve the Lord specifically on our weekends. Parking lot team, greeter, kids ministry, production. It takes a whole army of Christians to pull off the weekends. And as we approach Easter, I'm thinking we're going to have about 20,000 people at church. So let me ask you, how many thousands of volunteers do we need to make that happen? And that's our job. And we should want to do that. We should want to greet people. We should want to welcome people. Because our job is not just to know God, it's to make him known. And the way we do that is telling people about Jesus. All right, this last point is gonna be challenging, but I love you. How do, how do we rob God with our treasure? Malachi 3.8, will a man rob God? Listen to me, Christians do it every day. The average Christian in America gives 1.8% of their income to church. 1.8%. And a lot of people say this, well, churches are all about money. Well, let me say this. The reason they have to talk about it more than they want to is because people are all about money. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. This is God talking. But you ask, how do we rob you? This is the Lord in tithes and offerings. Hold on. He says you are under a curse. He says the whole nation of you. Because you are robbing me. You see, here's one of the lies. We say God will understand. Do you like it when you're robbed? God doesn't either. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. How do we send money to Ukraine? When there's food in the house. How do we send money to Turkey? When there's food in the house. How do we send money to Lake Arrowhead? When there's food in the house. How do we hire staff? How do we pay our bills? How do we do ministry in this community when there's food in this house? We're not a college. We don't get to charge tuition. You know, that'd be great. Did you like the teaching today? Did you? Did you? Okay, here's the bill. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room for it. Do you know the Bible says we're not to test God? Except in the area of our giving. The Lord is daring you to trust Him. Daring you. Daring you to trust Him. And He says, Look, man, if you'll trust me in this, I'll bless you in this. And here's why you can never outgive God. Ever. So pray about this week in your small group. In your community, talk about this. How can we serve God with our time and how can we honor God with our treasure? I'm not saying it has to be 10%. I've said that multiple times. We are not under the law, we are under grace. But I don't think 1.8% reflects grace. I mean, did Jesus Christ die on the cross so we could give 80% less? Is that, is that, is that what he was doing? I don't understand that. So figure out a number, figure out a plan, And let's trust God together and let's prepare together as a church, as Easter's coming, because people are going to come one time. How many of you guys go to a restaurant, go to a hotel, go somewhere on vacation and you have a bad experience? You going to go back? No. We're going to have people that come to church one time. And if they have a bad experience, they're not coming back. And listen to me, church, God's going to hold us accountable for their experience. And we want to make sure there's room for them, for their kids in the classroom, that there's parking places for them, that there's ushers that can help them. Man, we got dark worship services, man. I walked into church last week, ran right in the back of somebody. It's not my fault. I have ADD. I walk in like this. (laughs) But we need production people to help make sure that people can hear And it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, your kids, you know, sometimes backstage before I come out, I got a 12 year old that's running mic check. That's 12 year old smarter than I am when it comes to this thing. I don't know how to operate that. It's like, here you go, Pastor Matt. (laughs) Thank you, Jimmy. We'll take anybody, man. (laughs) We just will. So pray about it. Say, God, where can I serve? Where can I give? How can I stop stealing my time, and my treasure from a God who's given me all the time that I've enjoyed and all the treasure that I have. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we we pray in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus that we would not be a people who steal, but we would be a people who give. Give generously of our time and give generously of our treasure. Holy Spirit, uh, don't just convict us in this area, but convince us to trust you convince us to move forward in this area and let us prepare for the thousands of people who are coming back to church. Let's make sure that there is a place for them and let's make sure that we are devoting our time and our treasure so we can serve them and serve you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hi, thank you so much for watching. If this material is helping you to further your authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, I wanna encourage you to move from being someone who watches content to someone who participates and helps give towards this content. I want you to know that no amount is too small. Jesus Christ himself makes the biggest deal out of the smallest gift. And so whether that's $1 or $5 or $10, every dollar helps us in our mission to reaching the world with this vision of authenticity. So if God is prompting you, if the Holy Spirit is moving you towards generosity to Sandals Church, I want to encourage you to go to donate.sc. And here's all we ask. Give whatever God asks you to give. And we will just pray over that and ask God to bless that so that we can reach more people like you with this life-changing message.